another season of the isl is now over and uh, as it's been a norm in the last couple of seasons to dissect the whole thing with me is uh, pradyum ready fresh from the bubble so the first of all pradyum thank you so much for doing this again well you're welcome it's, it's good to be doing zoom calls from or you know these kind of calls from outside of the bubble at least i feel a little bit more normal now so you've been in the bubble for 4 5 months so how different is the world when you came out Well, it seems, I mean, I think the funniest part of it seemed like the rest of the world seems to be under the assumption that everything is is back to normal, whereas for people living in a bubble, we were taking extreme precautions and then it's just bizarre to come and, you know, I went to a, a local league game in Bangalore and to see crowds at a stadium was obviously, you know, a strange sight, especially having come from a bubble where it was very, very safe and sanitized environment for so long. and actually sort of made made you feel a little bit sort of awkward and and worried and so I didn't stay too long at the Bangalore football stadium and opted to just rely on people like you and your twitter accounts to give me updates on the games yeah I mean, the first day i went out i was all over the place i was like why are people here why are there so many people here but then uh, later on i guess you get sort of get used to it and wear the mask and stay out of it i guess Yeah, I think yeah. I think you still have to be careful and keep your distance as I mean you look at some of the players who come out of the bubble like um I think Sunil Chetri is a perfect example. I think in a way people who've been in a bubble are probably more at risk because you've been in such a sanitized sterile environment. Um mm. you're suddenly coming out of that and into an environment where everyone's you know very sort of uh, carefree in a way. I think you're sort of more likely to be at risk than those people. Well, so having pardon you saying something no that's it no no that's it but that's that's i guess you just have to get used to it now that's the sort of adjustment process now getting back into normal or whatever the new normal is yeah yeah so um how was it this experience being so we heard some 70000 tests and this much money spent and very successfully done for all the uh, intents and purposes done very well organized very well so how was it for you as an insider the magnitude of what you guys have pulled off so i think the first week of or first two weeks where you're stuck in doing your quarantine <laughs> that should have been in a way the toughest part but bizarrely enough that wasn't too bad because there's that enthusiasm of the league starting and it was a unique experience because we were you know doing a lot of calls with people like yourself and amongst ourselves as well and you're trying to get snippets of information from teams or all in their own little bubbles and training in isolation and having friendly matches against one another and you're trying to figure out what the squads were because different foreign players came at different times some were coming out of quarantine some of the coaches were still in quarantine so it was almost like trying to piece together and decipher what each team would be like and second guessing what their style of play would be like obviously the returning coaches returning uh, the squads were quite well set you fancied themselves and gave gave them a bit of an edge and then you'd filter through the pre-season results which is completely unique because in the past you would have gone and scouted opposition or you'd have seen teams training or heard things etc so it's a very sort of it was almost like way way back in the day of i league when there was very little tv coverage and you'd have almost have to rely on newspaper reports and hearsay to get an idea of what formation a team played or when the subs were made etc etc so it was it was kind of like going back in time in a way um but then as the bubble progressed or season progressed i should say 
uh, it started to sort of wear on you and you start to think, you know, for us, it's win, lose or draw. It doesn't really affect our day to day well-being or ability to do your job but you start to wonder about how players must feel and how coaching staff must feel and especially because even players who weren't in the 18 didn't travel to the venue so they couldn't watch the games so there's all sorts of psychological factors and you know i'm sure it was very very tough on some of the some of the players especially yeah, so I think uh, some of this you have already discussed in the cold quiz show that uh, you were part of along with Ian Raghu. Uh, mm-hmm. So if anybody is interested in that, they can go and check it out on YouTube. It's a very uh, informative show. So uh, coming to the league as such. Yep. Let's start with the final. In my mm-hmm. opinion, it was sort of an underwhelming final because uh, defensive mistakes sort of you know decided the whole game. How how would you look at the final? Two of the most uh, expensively assembled teams in the final, sort of expected. And what did you make of the whole thing? Yeah, I think I mean, in a way, it was nice that the two the teams that finished top two uh, played the final. So it was in a way a justice, and it was almost like the perfect perfect final in terms of how it set up because the last day of the season was, you know, a chance for the winner to take the Champions League spot, and as it's happened, Mumbai beat them. So even though they were level on points, their goal difference is superior and head-to-head was superior. So any, you know, for the people who argue that, oh, you should pick goal difference or the people who are pro head-to-head, either on either account, Mumbai won it. And if there were any doubters about either of those two systems and you won a playoff, well, there you go. You had the final, which was a playoff between two, two teams on level points. And I think justice was served in a way in terms of which team won it at the end, over the course of the season, I mean. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. The final almost was once again a little bit of a a little bit of a letdown because it was almost characterised by you know poor poor mistakes in a way that that led to the goals and and the outcome of the game rather than any individual brilliance. And that's probably a reflection of the nerves and caught up in the moment of the of an of the occasion of a final, even though there weren't any fans over there. So when you look at the teams, who are you most impressed with? Was it so there was two schools of thought, right? And we were discussing it in the prior podcast. I was a little bit more leaning towards ATKMB because they were defensively robust in that kind of football, and mm-hmm. the others were talking about Mumbai as a better, more pleasing kind of football, and they sort of deserve to win. So in your eye, which is what do you think in that respect? Mostly, I'm not one of those who would say it was football one over anti-football because I think. You know, you got to give credit to Habas. He has organized his team very well. They were very difficult to beat over the course of the season. They only lost um, on four occasions. And, you know, both these teams won on 12 occasions. So um, it's it's credit to how they, they'd set themselves up. And the only difference you could say is, you know, maybe they weren't as attacking as a, as a Mumbai City, but... I think you've got to give credit on the other side as well to uh, Lovera because he was known for his, you know, I don't care how many goals I concede and we're just going to go out and score more than the opposition. Obviously, they once again were the top scorers his side in the league, but he's added a little bit more to his coaching now, now with uh, the ability to keep clean sheets. And, you know, he's actually, I think it's the first time in a season where he's, his goals against is less than one average of one, you know, like 20 games, only 18 goals conceded. 
I'm not sure if he's, he's done that in the past. Um, so, you know, credit to them. And I think when you fix, and he's recognized that as well, when you fix the defensive side of your team, it becomes easier to pick up three points and pick up trophies. And now also this management of both these coaches have done phenomenally well, right? In terms of having such big names, so many players in their squad, of the way he managed, uh, Robera managed Agbeche and Lefondre and uh, the Godards of the world and Hugo Bumu. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, uh, Habas also with his foreigners and even bringing someone like Marcelino into the team and using him wisely up until the final, let's say. So yeah. credit to them for that too, right? Because Especially in a bubble situation. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've said this in the past. I mean, the teams with the most money will be the most successful anywhere in the world. And this is one of the reasons why. Because at times when players aren't performing, you can go and, and splash your cash and, and get players that you need to in certain positions, which maybe other teams and other coaches don't have the luxury for doing. Uh, you could see like, he brought Jackie in, um, Lovera brought Jackie in midway through the season and he brought... So he, you know, he's bringing in a player who's played under him. He doesn't need to adapt to and learn his system. He just will fit straight into it. Um, even though you know, Jackie didn't um, play too much for him later on, and that those little things help in terms of um, the way these two teams are set up. And I also think off the field, you've got to give credit to the management of both teams. Aren't? If you looked at the hotel setups of how these two teams were. They both were very, very well set up in terms of they picked hotels where these guys weren't just stuck in their rooms with no balconies, etc. They were in those hotels where these guys had bungalow kind of accommodations in Goa. So the players had a sense of, yes, even though you're in your room in a hotel, you can't leave it, but you're in a space where you can walk around, mingle with your teammates. If you're injured, you, you know, or recovery sessions, you have a bike outside your room, you have gym equipment, open air. And all those factors, I think, helped keep keep a very good, team environment for both the guys and I think that's what helped both of them especially so you have to give credit to the management of these clubs as well for setting things up in such a way Anything else you need to add about the top two that you feel is important before we move on something that I probably wouldn't have thought I think the um, the way they sort of managed you know you're going to go through a season where you're going to have lows and and highs, and both of them had, you know, there was a point where Krishna wasn't scoring for um, the ATK Mohan Bagan, and then he brought in uh, Master, you know, in, in place of Brad Inman. I think that just galvanized the squad. All of a sudden, players suddenly picked up their their ability, and so yeah, when you see Master, you know, coming in, all of a sudden David Williams becomes better. All of a sudden, Eddie Garcia is probably getting off the treatment table a little bit quicker, and it picked people up. And I think you also have to for the way both these coaches manage their, you know, you mentioned about how we manage um, Anogbeche and Lafondre, but I think you have to also give credit for the way they handle their Indian players. I think, you know, the temptation would have been, you bring, like I said, you bring a Jackie back. Uh, does Jackie walk straight into the lineup or did that make Bipin a better player because Bipin suddenly thought my spot's under threat. And I thought, you know, in terms of developing Indian players. I thought Bitten's come along really, really well under Lubera this season. And Converse, and then on the other side of it, Mandi has done phenomenally well under uh, Habas this season. So I think those two are the little, other little spots that I think have to give, were very important as well for both those teams this season, the contribution of those two players. Yeah, 
the wing backs in mumbai also seem to have done quite well this time other than like say amai or even vignesh who was in and out but still uh, got some decent minutes yeah i think you know the system suits them i mean at any kind of um you just almost say like a, a winger playing as a full back in in a lobero system can thrive because you've got the license to go forward and defensively thomas you have that protection because jahu drops in and fall and hernan santana most of the time it's almost like you have freedom to go forward because there are three back defending still so they're not really tested defensively as much um, and you don't really talk about their defensive ability um and i mean you know, i don't think neither vignesh nor amai were, were great defensively but going forward obviously they were both were very good and they contributed so as as it is in football attacking play normally catches the eye you know everyone was impressed with ignesh probably because of the goal he scored or some of the crosses he delivered similarly with ame for getting into the penalty box in the final third etc in terms of actual defensive contributions i don't think much is going to stick out of, of either of them over the course of the season yeah i agree with that too actually because both of them I mean especially ignesh is an out and out attacker in the first yeah. place Uh, so moving on to the next team now this is a team everybody wants to talk a lot about uh, northeast united fc didn't really i mean i don't give them any credit that management uh, most of the 99% of the time uh, mm-hmm. so, so let's break it down they had a decent start with gerard nus yep then he got sacked just out of the blue mm-hmm. and then they brought in uh, khalid jamil now we all know what uh, khalid is capable of as a manager and yeah. then they went on this amazing run very nearly very maybe unlucky to not take the semi final to the penalties you might say but uh, again yeah. that's neither here nor there but yeah what did you make of them like the change in the manager and how that did that galvanize the team because news used to manage the game sort of in a defensive manner but khalid seems to have a little more uh, nuance to his uh, tactics i think it's every season you have one one team that just sort of breaks the mold in terms of um doing things and uh notice for always almost been that team in terms of the way they they set themselves up and even in the bubble this year they were doing things a little bit different from um other teams there were reports of them opting to do things completely different from um some of the others and you know initially i don't think anyone would have given them a chance of making the playoffs and you would have been favorites most people's favorites for finishing the bottom two and no scored everyone by surprise with how well organized his team was in the, at the start especially defensively and they were, um and it seemed like you know the guy read the script quite well he recognized his team wasn't as um competitive maybe in terms of players as some of the others um and set his team up to be difficult to break down he could hurt teams on the counter attack and i think they started off you know brilliantly in that way beating mumbai and then getting some really really good results along the way but we started to hear things and people who knew started to hear things that everything wasn't perfect behind the scenes um if you remember like khalid was sent away in a way you could say to go and look after the reserves which that club statement didn't make any sense because there was no youth football going on in in guwahati at the time or or anything of that sort um so there obviously was some problem or issues between um the different members of the of the coaching staff and then 
as you know, we 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 started to hear some unconfirmed reports of you know dressing room issues with with Noose and some of the players, etc. Um, again, this is just speculation and players, agents, all this kind of stuff always comes out when particular players aren't playing and others are getting a chance. But I think the proof is in the pudding. As soon as um, Noose left and Khalid came in, every single metric went up. You know, their passing was better, their penalty box entries were better defensively, they were better. Um, and the biggest, most obvious one for people on the outside was you could see smiles on people on players' faces and they seemed to be enjoying themselves and playing with a bit more, um, I, what's the best word for it, but they just, just seemed to be all playing together as a as a unit. And, you know, all credit to Khalid. I mean, he had to take over last season as well as an interim towards the end from uh, the Croatian coach. And obviously things didn't go that well last season, but this year, I think because he was there from pre-season, knew all the players very well and um, probably learned from whatever mistakes from the previous season, he did an absolutely brilliant job. So it was the sort of Owen Coyle run of the previous season that Khalid managed this season with Northeast. So do you think he... So we speak about Indian coaches, right? And the chances they get or the chances they don't get, however you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Do you think he has broken the mold in the sense that, oh, an Indian coach can challenge? Uh, maybe, maybe do you think he'll get the job permanently now? Well, I think he should get the job. And I think it was a bit silly that everyone had to, st- had to still refer to him as the interim coach because that made no sense when he's taken over more than majority of the season and got the team into the playoffs. I mean, he is the head coach. So all the players look to him as a head coach. So um, if he finishes the season as a head coach, then he was the head coach. It's not interim. if he's. It's only interim if someone was to replace him before the end of the season. So that, to me, itself um, nullifies that whole point about an interim coach. I don't think there was ever any doubt that um, Indian coaches can compete um, again. And I think it's just silly that we have these little, uh, what do you call it, little separation by saying, oh, he's an Indian coach, or he's a Spanish coach, he's an English coach, he's a German coach, or whatever. Like, coaches are coaches. I mean, there have, there have been Spanish coaches who've won this league, there have been Spanish coaches who've finished in, in the bottom spots in this league, there have been English coaches who won the league, there's English coaches who finished at the bottom of this um, league state. So, it's exactly the same for any nationality. If, if obviously, if, you know, to state the obvious, if you had 11 Indian coaches, I'm sure one would finish top, one would finish bottom. But if if you mix them in right from the beginning, you know, you give a chance to whether it's you know um, Derek Pereira's or uh, uh, Shankar Lal Chakraborty at uh, Mohammedan Sporting or Sanjoy Sen, Richard Hood or Floyd Pinto, anybody, I'm sure you know they would get mixed results. Some would be very good. Some would bring a lot. Um, to the table, and, and that's how it would be. And I think it should be from next season. Hopefully, uh, more clubs start to see that because there is no restriction now on in terms of who you can hire and who you can't hire, as there were in the initial season. So it would be good to see more more coaches coming through because I think it encourages young coaches then as well that they can see this as a career pa- pipeline. So. Yeah, so I've been working on a story on coaches and I'm still waiting on a couple more quotes from a couple of different people I wanted to speak to. Mm-hmm. Generally, the idea that you get is uh, 
the clubs generally don't want to take the chance or uh, they they want him in an assistant coach role which sometimes i don't understand because i mean you don't i've heard this that uh, some of them are just translators and don't really get involved in the tactical setup as such but then there are others who are extremely influential as well so like you said unless there is an opportunity or a, or a chance of an opportunity mm-hmm. these guys would there be any interest in let's savio is doing a good job you know with the coach education and things yep. is see anybody going to be interested in being a coach because at the end of the day you're not going to getting a chance in the i league a lot of the clubs do opt for foreign coaches and the argument is the foreign players don't respect the indian coach as such which some may be true in some cases but uh, i don't know derek pereira told me that uh, the coaches i mean the players that he used to coach back when he won the league and things mm-hmm. largely uh, south americans and africans and now it's a lot more uh, europeans who are a lot more polished in terms of their football education and that makes a difference do you think uh, all this that makes any difference in that sense so in derek's got a point in terms of obviously his days at mahindra and pune etc you know you're bringing in some let's say a random african player and south american players who've not necessarily gone through a footballing education like some of the european players so they might not challenge or disagree with a coach uh, an indian coach or any coach that you know they have that sort of hierarchy respect um but by the same token it's if you look at a lot of the young coaches coming through now they've also gone through that like if you look at somebody like a richard hood for example he's done his you know coaching badges in india as well as in in europe at the highest level he's got uefa licenses he's worked um in that experience there's a lot of coaches in india who have gone out abroad and broadened their horizons and learned techniques methodologies um done got some experience from, from abroad as well so there's no reason why they when they run their coaching sessions wouldn't get that respect from you know whether it's a spanish player or a dutch player or any player because um you know i've seen players mock foreign coaches in the isl for their coaching tech techniques and as well so it's not um it's not like automatically assumed okay that's just because this guy's a coach you know from abroad he's a good coach we've seen some some of the coaches you know former players let's say i won't mention any names who come here um who haven't really got a coaching pedigree and when you speak to players later they you know they weren't very impressed with their coaching methodologies and so on i'm talking about both indian and foreign players who said they weren't great coaches and they said they had better coaches in india than some of these big name ex players who'd come here and suddenly wanted to become coaches yes now returning back to uh, northeast because this uh, topic is very vast and something that Mm-hmm. i want to explore and then probably will uh, do it in in time it's just taking some time to get the stories properly yeah. anyway i just wanted to ask you about northeast again one last thing because you picked apuya as a player to watch when we were doing the preview show at the beginning of the season yep. he's going to be the best uh, probably Emerging the best player. yeah i mean at that i don't think <laughs> <laughs> but probably the best indian midfielder this season So what, what did you see in him? And yeah. uh, Khalid said something very interesting about him when I asked him something at the post-match press conference. He said same rhythm, same energy, 90 minutes. And he has never seen a player like that. He has never played with one. He's never seen a player like that. Do you agree with this? Well, I can't uh, speak for what Khalid has seen or played with or against. Um, now, for me, I think what 
stood out with Apoya last season when I saw glimpses of him towards the end of last season was he just seemed to do something which a lot of Indian midfielders or just generally a lot of Indian footballers don't do, which is um, scan the field before they receive the ball. And he sort of constantly would look over his left left shoulder, right shoulder before he received the ball. So he was very aware of where he was on the field. And so that enabled him to have that ability to find space. And the moment you can find space, you have time. And if you have space and time, anybody looks like a better footballer than than they need to be. And even on those occasions when he was closed down, he had that ability to just drop his shoulder and create a little space for himself or have a little trick in his book to flick the ball past or over over an oncoming um, you know, pressure from somebody. And he just kept it simple. He wasn't trying to be flamboyant. And I think he saved his flamboyance for his first goal of the season this year, just to, which got them into the playoffs. But you didn't see that from him last year. He wasn't trying to sort of hit, you know, 70-yard passes and spray diagonal balls and, and try and take shots from crazy distances. He just kept it simpler. You could see almost that he was growing with it. And, you know, kids like him, kids like Suresh, you just see them doing the simple things, doing them very well and not attempting to do overly complicated things. And sometimes that's all you need to do. You just need to do the simple things right every time. And then that's what's going to get you eight out of ten performances week in, week out. And... I think that's why I picked him at the start of the season. Said this is one kid to keep an eye out for. Um, I said that in yeah on your podcast actually yeah, at the start of the season, and uh, now I can sit back and say, see, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. So uh, now moving to the next team, which is Goa. Yep. It's, it seems um, there is like two schools of thoughts about them. For me, they have done a very good job in in the fact that they had to rebuild the team with a new coach. And then sort of lose a really big player in Lenny and have a situation in the goalkeeper because he is not signing a new contract, so they have to work on that to find, you know, juggle between three, I mean, two others, bring a new goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. They had to do all this and still somehow manage to finish fourth. But having said that, it's like Hyderabad and both of them had like insanely long run, unbeaten run with yeah. lots of draws. Both of them could have won at least one or here or there could have dramatically changed the whole way. Mm-hmm. How do you look at Goa? Is it like an opportunity uh, that they've, they've done well or is it like they haven't done well as you would have thought? I mean, if you look at the fact that Goa have actually lost less games this season than Mumbai and ATK Mohan Bagan, that itself is an impressive uh, start. They've, you know, one of the highest scorers in the league at one stage until I think going into the, that if it wasn't for that 6-0 or 6-1 game of Mumbai, um, they would have been the top scorers in the league this season, um, FC Goa. Um, so I think given, you know, you give all these awards at the end of the season for best player, best um, assist or best this, that and the other. I think if you give an award for the best management, you'd have to go to um, FC Goa because the job that Ravi and Akshay and all those guys behind the scenes have done to rebuild at such short notice in a way, in a pandemic, where you've lost your coach, you've lost, you know, a lot of the coaching staff went with him in terms of assistant coach and uh, uh, fitness coach, uh, etc. And to then lose pretty much the core of your team, and it's no surprise that Mumbai, who took the core of that team, go on to win the league um, the following season, to put out a competitive team, and I think 
if you look at it right from the first game when they were 2-0 down to Bangalore and they came back to make it 2-2, the, the way they played with 10 men against Mumbai City, they just were a very, very resolute team. All credit to Juan Fernando for, for doing that. And when you've got to rebuild pretty much all your foreign players except Edward Ear, and rebuild key Indian players because you lose the lag of a Jackie, then, um, you know, other players were also sort of a mandar, you know, the guy almost 100 caps for them. And also the unsettling because you lost a certain number of players to Mumbai and certain other players were being tapped up during the course of the season. There was talk that obviously the goalkeeper was being tapped up um, or being persuaded, um, you know, not to sign an extension or go and then move there. And um, I think Lenny was another one that they were looking to, um, or there was talk that Lenny was being unsettled and and a few others as well. I'm sure Brandon would have been on that list as well. So to keep everything stable and keep everyone motivated and, and towards a goal and not be distracted by AFC Champions League and et cetera, et cetera. I think they did an absolutely phenomenal job. And if it was for, if certain decisions had gone in their favor in the semi-final, um, you know, maybe they would be, would have picked up the trophy as well at the end of the season. Um, and to go, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a cruel way to go out on a penalty shootout, but um, that's how close the fine margins were. And you talked about their unbeaten run. Technically, they're still unbeaten. So they could start the next season, go unbeaten in the next four games, and that would be almost 20 games unbeaten. So it's a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement by them this season. So even I tend to agree with that. And even more so because it, it, seemed, it seemed like they lost the entire, like you said, the core foreigners and a lot of the leadership group of that team also. Mm-hmm. So they had to sort of rebuild that whole thing and to have the mentality to keep going, whether it's Angulo or even surprisingly Ishan Pandita who popped up with some uh, winners, mm-hmm. last minute winners. It shows the character of the team maybe improved from last year. Yeah, I think I said this in another thing that I said in your, your podcast at the start of the season was I didn't think they were that much weaker having lost some of the players because I think um, Sevilla Gama is a better left back than mm. Manda. I think Sereton obviously stayed, so, you know, same in that position. I think Ivan Gonzalez is a much better defender than... Uh, Peña? Peña was a left back converter into it. Peña had leadership yeah. qualities. And, um, you know, um, Donaghy was a good good addition in terms of when you now need to have a, an AFC player, which they didn't have in the past. Um, mm-hmm. He's a good good replacement um, for a centre-back, an AFC centre-back. And then in midfield, I thought, um, obviously, everybody had retained. Brandon was retained. And at the start of the season, Lenny was there. And you had, you know, Ortiz. And I said at the start of the season, there were people who said Ortiz would be as good, if not better, than Bromo. And I think numbers were there to justify that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he could play as a false nine also showed versatility. And for all the people who were lamenting or worrying about the loss of Koro, I don't think any that ever came up in conversation after the first game. You yeah. know, Gonzalez, sorry, uh, Igor Angulo scored a brace in the first game and brilliantly taken goals. And he was just clinical throughout the season and you know, ends up winning the golden boot just as he promised he would. He said, you know, he backed up everything that he said. And I thought Noguero was absolutely brilliant as well. 
just a really, really versatile player that could play in multiple positions. So, um, again, credit to the likes of Amrit and others at FC Goa who did really did their homework properly in terms of scouting and um, got players who can play the same, you know, the way they needed to play in this league and can play in multiple positions and, and just adapt to the situations and requirements the team needed. Um, and even the the young lads who came through, I thought, um, you know, they picked up Devendra Murgaonko from, I think he's on loan from Salgaonko. Mm. Uh, and Romario Jaisaraj just looked like a really, really good player this season. And this is, don't forget, a player they'd signed already, sent him out on loan to the I-League to get experience, and then brought him back. So the whole planning inside the club is very sort of well thought out. And that's what sort of impresses me a lot about the way FC Goa has run as a team. I think that they're built for long-term success that way. Yeah, I, I had uh, Revi Puskar on the show a couple of, maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things he said was, when you are asking questions, he says the right thing, the way they are going forward. So, uh, like you said, I think that club was built to last. Uh, they'll put a decent show, I feel, in the Champions League, although getting out of the group is probably beyond them. But uh, look, if they pick up three points, that's putting up a very good show. If they can pick up three points, honestly, I think that's really, really good um, efforts. And now with the added benefit or luxury, you could say, of having home advantage, um, mm. the game's being going, you know, hopefully they can pick up a little surprise here or there, but the fact that they're there and itself is great is great and testament to what they've done with that club in the last couple of years. Absolutely, and I I have this feeling that Angulo is not going to stay in that team. Uh, yes, I saw some tweet where somebody had suggested that he's already left and joined and gone, but um, I mean it'd be it'd be a shame because I think he's a really really good player and um, just. You know, in terms of, you talk about efficiency of movement and just how efficient he was as a player. It's a really, really good player to watch, especially live when we had the pleasure of doing that, where you could just follow him and see what he was doing off off the ball movements, etc. Which sometimes the camera doesn't follow. I thought he was top, top class. Yeah, hopefully somebody else will pick him up. <laughs> so, uh, in India, that he stays in India because, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, even without. The seeing the whole pitch like it, which is very unfortunate. I really miss the fact that we can't watch it on, you know, in the stadium and see mm-hmm. players just move around. But yeah, he seemed uh, extremely efficient with whatever he was doing. And now to move on from, it's I think a good segue, I think, go, go out to Hyderabad because a lot of the players in Hyderabad, not a lot, some of them who have done well this season have come from Goa, like mm-hmm. Sana Singh or Liston and Yasir. Uh, yep. I think we have one more in the reserve team who didn't really feature much. Forgot yes. So, uh, yeah, so they seem to have... So, Hyderabad is another team, right? We don't really talk about much. They generally tend, uh, even in their previous iteration, did not do that well in terms of management. Mm-hmm. So, what happened this year? Was it the coach? Well, I think a couple of things happened. Uh, first and foremost, I think they, you know, they got a full divorce, you could say, from... FC Pune City. So what I mean by that is last year, I think there was still a little bit of, um, you know, even though the name had changed, it's almost like they were still living in the same house as the uh, the previous management. And they still had a lot of those workers still around, you could say. So there was still a lot of that uh, poor management, negativity, etc. 
which carried over from FC Pune. Um, and I think this year they've got rid of all the, the bad eggs, you could say, um, in terms of upper management. And that's probably what helped them have a fresh start. And I think another thing that, you know, sometimes you just need luck. And I think uh, this is a controversial thing to say, but um, I honestly believe this. The fact that Albert Roca left to go to um, Barcelona probably helped either by have the season that they had. Because just looking at Roca's record in India in the past, I mean, he struggled with Bengaluru in his first season in the I-League. And that was with possibly, well, not possibly, definitely the best Indian players available at the time. You know, he had the likes of Chetri, a fully fit Reno Anto and uh, CK Benito were in their prime. You had Sandesh Jindan, you had Eugene, etc., etc. You know, li- literally was just the Indian national team and some really good foreigners, and they couldn't even finish top three in the I League. So, him not showing up and then getting Manolo Mar- uh, Marquez was the absolute blessing. And, sec- and the reason I say that again is it's no disrespect to Malbert Roca, it's just that he's the kind of coach who I think if you look at his history in India especially, prefers players with proven experience. Wouldn't have gone and wouldn't have trusted a lot of the younger players like um, Manolo Marquez did. And for both neutrals and fans of Indian football, you wouldn't have seen the likes of Alisson Colasso, the likes of Yasir maybe, and the others get that much leeway or get that much opportunities, and Akash Mishra and Ashish Rai especially. So I think it just some things worked out really well for them. And once again, you have to give credit to the likes of the management, whether it's Varun and Sujay and others who did very well in their recruitment of certain players. Um, I think to go out and get someone like Akash Mishra and then give him their opportunity and confidence to play was brilliant. To pick up somebody like Sana, who's always been a you know very good defender. You know, I signed Sana at uh, uh, Delhi Dynamos in 2016, uh, having missed out. We should have signed him at Bengaluru when we signed Udanta. And, you know, he went to Lajong and got plenty of minutes over there. So it worked out well for his career to go to a club like Lajong and get minutes. And similarly, I think he made the right move by moving to Hyderabad where he'd get minutes, which he wasn't getting at a club like FC Goa. So he's... Um, they, they did well, really well with it and smart recruitment of players. And, and once... And, they were fortunate as well that they had players there who, you know, were just good players, but maybe were either too young the previous season or too inexperienced or just weren't managed properly. And, well, who I mean by that is like Ashish Rai. Ashish Rai played a lot of games um, under Phil Brown for Hyderabad FC. And obviously Hyderabad didn't have a good season the previous year, but Ashish Rai got minutes. And he'd come through the Pune youth system, was loaned out to Indian Arrows, came back. And, you know, he's been in that club system. If you, if you count Hyderabad as a continuation of Pune, he's been in that system. Sahil Panwar, uh, Yasir, they're all youth products of FC Pune City who, you know, when I was at Pune, we loaned a lot of these boys out to um, I-League teams after they finished their, um, you know, after the under-18 I-League. They were too old for under-18, so we said, but too young in a way to play ISL. So sending them out to the likes of Chennai City FC and Gokulam, etc., they gained 
valuable experience. And now was the right time possibly for them to showcase themselves in the ISL. So that long-term stability has also helped somebody like Hyderabad. Some of those kids have been there for three, four seasons playing together, even though you know a lot of the viewers might not have seen them. They played with one another for many, many years um, in, in training and stuff like that. So I think that's really helped them having that little bit of stability in that club. That's actually a very interesting point that you bring. And uh, and pertaining to the first thing that you brought, which is Roka uh, not being there, even I agree. Because I think for him, he's a system manager, right? For him to play a certain way, he needs certain players mm-hmm. that uh, which are generally on the expensive side of things. Absolutely. Yep. So probably wouldn't have worked here. And mm-hmm. in the same token, Manolo Marquez, do you think the way Sana has performed, he's one of those rare defenders in India who passes through the lines instead of, you know, smashing it for 60 yards in the front in no man's land. And do you think being part of that team is what brought him up? And Akash Mishra, you've heard so much about him being a very good player before. Uh, I think, look, Sana was doing this even in his Tata Football Academy days. He was a, he was one of the few centre-backs that could play from the back. And that's what, when at BFC, when we signed Adanta, we should have signed Sana Singh and Vinay Thrai. And even in those days, he used to play through the lines. He could either, his, you know, his option was into midfield, into Vinit Rai. If he could skip Vinit Rai and play through the thirds, he'd look into playing to the likes of Udanta. Um, or, you know, so he was that kind of a player. And that's what attracted, even if you remember Lajong, Lajong weren't a sort of long ball team. They were a, a team that used to play the ball and keep the ball on the ground and play. So he went through the right system in a way of going from a TFA to, to a Lajong. And then from Lajong, when we signed him at Delhi Dynamos, again, he helped playing alongside the Ruben Roca. When when you receive the ball as a centre-back there, you look to your to right, you've got Ruben Roca. If you look forward, you've got Floro Maluda. If you want to just bypass Maluda, you've got Marcelino or Keen Lewis. Right? Yeah. So it was like, he, he's had a good education and then obviously played under, or trained under Lobero at FC Goa, but didn't get the the opportunity so he's played everywhere he's been he's played that style of football so it's not new to him that all of a sudden you know, Mark, Manolo Marcus has turned Sana into a good, fo- good footballer he's always been a good footballer it's just when you play through the lines like that and play out from the back you are going to make mistakes at times when you make mistakes as a youngster it's almost like the senior defender next to you or, or certain coaches might shout at you and hammer you for saying should have just cleared it rather than play that risky pass in the midfield. And I think that's where being able to, being encouraged to do that or having good players in front of you who can deal with it when you give them a little, give them those balls has helped his uh, development as well. And I think yes, the only negativity I would say about Hyderabad FC is they're their own, if, if anyone's to blame for them not making the playoffs, it, it's, it is themselves and their club management. And what I mean by that is, and I said this before, I think on air, was you're pretty much sailing through to the top four. And for whatever reason, Subrata Paul wasn't happy at the club and you decided to move him along and you felt Adil Khan was surplus to requirements. You still had to play East Bengal in your fixtures. Surely you know the fixtures are lined up. So when you loan or release a player to go and play for a, a potential opponent who's going to knock points off you, and if I'm not mistaken, that game within Hyderabad and SE Spengal finished 1-1. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure Zabrata would have made some crucial saves in that game. That prevented Heidelberg from picking up two extra points, which would have seen them into the playoffs. And Adil Khan certainly stopped their progress in the game when they played one another and denied them that top four spot. And, and also in the previous games, Adil was crucial to FC Goa when Gonzalez was suspended and Donaghy was injured. So you've actually helped your direct rival get into the top four. That's just poor, poor planning for me. See, this is this is why I, I like doing reviews with you. I would have never thought of this. Although at the moment I would be like, ah, oh, Yuli, uh, Adil Khan came back to kill them. I think we probably tweeted or something or maybe yeah. wrote in the match report and things like that. But it wouldn't have stuck in my head uh, as, oh, look, they have done this. And Adil, when he went to uh, FC Goa, I, it, to me, it looked like a desperation signing because they needed few people in. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if he would fit in, but he's done quite well there. So uh, kudos to him, and uh, thank God I'm wrong. So uh, yeah. no, but I mean it's yeah. I mean from an individual point, it was it worked out really well for Adil. It worked out really well for Subrata. But Hyderabad's responsibility primarily should be their own team, not let's try and do what's best for individual players. Certainly not for players who might not be returning. I mean, in Adil's case, obviously he'll probably return to Hyderabad next year, um, but. For the for the sake of what saving a few bucks, um, whenever they were transferred, they, I'm sure both of those were high value players for them. So he might have saved a little bit, and he might have made a little bit of money in the transfer market um, in releasing those two players. But he certainly didn't get anything back in return. It's not like you swapped um, Subrata Paul for a better goalkeeper and brought him in. You swapped Subrata Paul and you played with cutty money for the remainder of the season. And you let Adil Khan go, and I don't think you got any bargaining chip back in return. So, I, and you didn't even put a clause in saying he's on loan, he cannot play against us. So, which a lot of European clubs do that when, when yeah. they loan players out. So, I think that's just very, very naive management on, on Hyderabad's part. Yes, uh, interesting take there. I think this will be the clip for the, for the set. <laughs> <laughs> so... Now, the move to the next team is Jamshedpur SC, and I feel a little let down by them because uh, before the season, I had a talk with Owen Coyle. He gave me this, you know, whole nine yards about what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. They started off on a path. You know, said Jackie is going to be one of their main players and things and sold him. And they, they started in a certain way, and then it sort of went wayward. There was complaints about having too long a break when the rest of the league was complaining about not having breaks at all. Mm-hmm. So... It just went sort of pure shape because even Valskis was supposed to be this guy who would take them. But without service, he's not the same player. So uh, that team doesn't seem like it was a well-recruited side now that you look at it in retrospect. Yeah, I think, I mean, you look at it, there's some things which were really good in terms of their recruitment, I think. Um, but on paper, is different from, from what actually transpires in a way. I think... He took Valskis with him, was a top scorer. But if you look at sometimes, you know, you speak to people like um, a lot of our, uh, you have some of them on your podcast normally, these guys who deal in expected goals and all the the data and science out of football. Did Valskis overachieve last season in terms of how many goals he scored? And was he, did he, was he capable of doing that a second season in a row? Or was you know, last season where if you have an average line for him, was he above average last year and he's going to regress to the norm? That's something that 
I don't think was considered. Secondly, as you pointed out, and a lot of people pointed out, would he get the service that he got off of a Criviero? Um, then the other aspect is whether Indian players are good in, as good in terms of what he had at Chennai's. Did he have strength and depth? Um, I think he had better defenders than what he had at Chennai. And I think if you look at, I think Peter Hartley was absolutely brilliant, both in terms of leadership and, and as a defender. And he had a good partnership with uh, with um, Stephen Eze as well. And Eze obviously massive, massive threat from set pieces. But I think overall, they just didn't have that strength and depth. So when you take their strongest lineup out, they didn't look so good. And you see it sometimes. I mean, you've probably you've been following Indian football for a while. In, in the I-League, you'd see there's sometimes where a player comes in the first season, works hard, and he's a team player. And, you know, he gets these individual accolades. And then the next season, it almost goes to his head that he thinks he's, you know, he's better than everybody. And he's the focal point of it. And certainly in the ISL, it happens where, because there's so much individual glory and awards, you know, end of every match, there's an award, you get golden boot at the end of the season, et cetera, et cetera. There's too much build-up about Vasquez, and I think he started to believe his own hype that he was possibly you know, better than he was. And you could see the frustration in him when he wasn't getting the service, and he was actually sort of seemed to be lambasting his teammates. And towards the end of the season when he was dropped, we were starting to hear rumours that there was dressing room unrest where, you know, initially players were being dropped or maybe not playing. And this is rumours, again, that at the behest that Valskis was saying he's not getting the service from X, Y, and Z. And then I think later, whether it's common sense prevailed or whatever it was, Valskis was dropped because for the greater good of the team, rather than there's one individual who's being the troublemaker. And then, look, the team actually started performing better um, and actually scoring goals even in his absence. So... Whether he continues next year could also be a surprise to me um, at them. But overall, if you look at Jamshedpur season, at the start of the season, if you had said they'll finish sixth, probably would have been where everyone would have predicted them. Because that's where they finish on average every year. They are a, you know, a mid-table team. If you look at the um, you know, Premier League or whatever, they're, they're, you know, they're almost like the spurs of this league. So they're destined to just sort of finish just above just outside the sort of main spots, and but they're never really going to be in danger of relegation. Um, but this season should have been where they could have kicked on because that horrible travel that they normally have to do, mm-hmm. which is used as the excuse where ah, that's why their away form suffers or even their home form because they might have had to travel back from a Kerala or a, some long Chennai or something back to Jamshedpur. They didn't have that problem this year. So given that factor, they should have probably performed a little bit better. Absolutely agree with that. And I think uh, Slok has been uh, on record uh, saying that Valsky is, is a confidence player, which I think is a nice way of putting it. That he overachieved last year yeah. in terms of XG and whatnot. Uh, yeah, so moving on to the next team, which is Bangalore FC. For two years, I think we both have said that that team has stood still yeah. and probably needs to do some catch-up. And it never really seemed like they went for it. Even this year, it didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably one season too far. Huh? Yeah, I think uh, any people like us who watch Indian football closely and have seen Bengaluru from even clo- closer quarters knew this a long time ago that the team needed 
freshening up in a lot of aspects and hadn't been done. And the problem sometimes is success can paper over cracks. So the season where they won the league, you know, they, they it was starting to fall apart even then. Um, you know, they obviously finished up the league that season, played some good football. And but if you look at the playoffs, I think Elko's team should have beaten them, or, uh, Northeast United, over the two legs. Um, it's Patrick Betcher was unavailable. I think Roland was suspended, unavailable, and um, Gallego got in, yeah, injured, and Gallego got injured too. So you take those three players away, and they still came very close to causing them problems. And but BFC scraped through. Um, bit of Miku brilliance, Sunil brilliance, etc. And in the final, you know, Koro was caught offside a couple of times. In terms of chances during the course of open play, I think FC Goal probably had the better chances. But then down to 10 men, extra time, and then set piece goal, Raul Bekes scores. So all those things like you paper over the cracks, the team wasn't as good as, you know, it was led to believe. So the next season, what happens is you don't change players because you think, oh, these are the guys that want us stuff. As opposed to where you think about it rationally as, you know, has Dimas got another good season in him or do we need to upgrade or replace him? Or, you know, has Eric Partlou given given us his best years? You know, there's too much of that sometimes loyalty and, uh, I don't know, maybe you get sucked away. Like You start thinking like fans rather than as objective um, club management and I think they, they missed a trick in that respect and in terms of Indian players I think they've struggled with getting the balance with their team so in the past it was very easy all the best players in India wanted to come and play for Bengaluru FC and in the ISL it's not necessarily that case because you don't have that advantage which BFC had in the I-League where your facilities are better your training was better your social media was better, etc., etc. Whereas as soon as you come in the ISL, you're competing with others and others can pay a lot more um, at times if they need to in certain positions. So you start to lose an issue, you don't replace them or the replacement isn't as good or ready yet. You know, they paid 40 lakh transfer fee for was it Ajit Kumar from Chennai or somewhere in that region. So obviously they felt this player was definitely ready and worth making that effort but you know, he, he didn't live up to it and unlike um, a northeast or a Hyderabad or an FC Goa the youngsters that Bengaluru had they didn't trust in them in the past few years and give them adequate opportunities so when they were thrown in this year it was almost like thrown in all at once to try and salvage something as opposed to sort of gradually introduce them in the way BFC used to have a tradition of doing that, whether it's the likes of Odanta, Zwala, Daniel, Nishu, etc., who were Shankar, Siamangal, etc., who were gradually given games and confidence to play alongside more senior pros. So I think they missed a few tricks, and um, it's you know, obviously they don't finish in the top four, it's going to be a bad season for BFC, but to finish as low as seventh is, was, was yeah, a really, really poor season for them. In my so I've been covering BFC for seven years, eight years mm-hmm. long. Yes, it's been I don't remember since the beginning anyway. Yeah, and I mean, coming on to eight now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, one of the first people I ever spoke to in BFC was you. 
the first day of training we were there early morning yep. to talk to Ashley and Sunil and then you had come over to have a chat that's when I was surprised that you knew Canada because you're Jackson <laughs> and I was like oh you know Canada also but yeah anyway uh, from there I think my favorite era of covering BFC was uh, when Ashley and you were there mm-hmm. simply because you won a title and the next year you bought UG because yeah. you were like you know we have to improve and Amrinder Yeah. and then uh, no uh, no you bought uh, moya yeah. yeah and the year after you bought uh, amrinder to challenge moya then you had uh, wingers that you kept improving and then yes. you bought uh, panai on the left back position to yeah. fight with keegan keegan sorry keegan keegan yeah so that seemed like the it seemed like a perfect template because even even though your foreign strikers changed or your midfielder changed menyangar was replaced by Manyangar replacement I never thought was good enough uh, to replace uh, how good Manyangar was. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally, you, <laughs> generally you put uh, pressure on the players who are there that you don't let them settle. So in the last three years, what I have noticed from BFC is like I could name their lineup. Essentially, this is going to be the lineup for, you know, for six games unless something changes. and that kind of a situation is not great right especially considering you know danta had have had you know not a great season the year before but rewarded with a three year contract and then you had uh, sunil who was sort of aging and although he's still very very good you need a replacement for him you need a midfielder an indian midfielder who can really like a raulen or a rainier or someone who can really you know do something with the ball defensively or offensively and they got suresan now do you think they have uh, sort of The recruitment has been poor right? like throughout and so I, yeah. i don't know what i'm trying to say it's just like they're happy with where they are it's like they stood still while the world moved around them it that's yeah. the best way i can see yeah i think i think yeah they definitely you can say they stood still um tapsy right what you said about you know we we replaced goalkeepers not replaced we upgraded on goalkeepers every season when in the first three years and when we were successful at bfc with Moyana and Amrinda but it's we didn't release the other player it's not like we sold Moya we kept him there but the moment his form dipped somebody else was chomping at the bit to take over and then now it's Moya had to outdo Amrinda to get his spot back and you know we did it with Keegan and um, Chuante and then Chuante and then Nishu and the right back it was you know Vishal Ravindra was out and then Reno took his spot and then Reno had to worry about youngsters coming through like Nishu could play on either flank and similarly there in midfield you know the, the Siamangal had a great season he was runner up for young player of the year in the first season and then at AFF and then what do we do you bring in the guy who wins it in Alvin George and then Shankar was there to put pressure on Toy Vinith was there to put pressure on Robin so in every position you had genuine competition for places and however impressed everyone and the fans loved Bekokai as soon as Udanta came in Udanta was there but if Udanta dropped or had a poor game you know Bekok could come off the bench and say listen I should be starting so I think they lost that after the first year of the ISL where you know you had a Subhashish Bose and Nishu left back so at that point they're a really really strong Indian contingent as well but it's it's tough sometimes to keep all the players happy because you're not getting game time and other clubs come in with big big offers for these players and you know BFC were always known for being astute in their signings in the past and getting good players 
and unearthing good talent and young talent and bringing them through. Um, and I think they lost that ability over the last couple of years with, you know, with the exception of maybe you could say a Suresh or somebody like that. But these again are AFF products, so everybody knows they're already good because they're in the Indian you know, youth team system. So if if BFC didn't pick up a Suresh, somebody else would have. Whereas, you know, in the past, some of those players probably not many people would have been aware of them. Um, so I think they missed that trick, and I think the bigger mistake, especially in the ISL, is foreign players. If you don't get the right kind of foreign players, that makes a huge, huge difference in, in where you finish in the table. Um, you know, and I think Saran was, you know, obviously, if you look at Saran and Wanan, Wanan's the better, uh, younger defender, played more games. Saran was used for certain games sparingly, but used wisely uh, when needed. And when you lose a player like that, you might and maybe rightly so because of his age and did need to upgrade, but I don't think they upgraded on that or even got a like-for-like replacement. Um, and then you lose Miku and then you put all your eggs into one basket thinking Miku's going to come back. And I think they missed a trick when there are rumours that they were offered the, you know, Aridane Santana, they were offered uh, um, Ivan Gonzalez and many others and they opted not to and relied on Carlos Corda to bring in somebody that he felt more comfortable with or was better, and Opset just wasn't wasn't anywhere near there. I mean, I'm you know you never know. Maybe it's the system because Onwu left and seemed to do okay at Odisha, and Deshawn Brown again seemed to do a lot better at Northeast than he did at BFC. So, so maybe you can say it wasn't the recruitment; it was the coach. Yes, so, I, mean, I, I tend to agree with that. Because even I heard Aridani, and last year at some point, Carles had said uh, we need a player like Aridani. So I was very mm-hmm. surprised that when he was mentioned and they didn't table a bit for him, or maybe they did, uh, couldn't agree with the terms because he was very high up on Aridani even last year. So, well, uh, Bache left uh, Northeast a couple of seasons ago. I know from speaking to some people that he was very keen on joining. He liked the city of Bangalore, etc., and mm-hmm. he would have loved to have come there. And he ended up going joining Kerala Blasters, was top scorer at Kerala Blasters. When he left Kerala Blasters, joins Mumbai. Surely, if there are players in the league who've been performing, why not go after them? Seems to be almost this sort of, um, almost like an arrogance almost that we know how to recruit. We'll go and get them from Spain or elsewhere. We don't need to look within the league. Um, yet when, you know, all things went out of, didn't go to plan, you end up going and getting Fran Gonzalez, who played in the I-League, and go back and get Chisco, who you didn't want in the first place. So, you know, some of, some of that just doesn't doesn't make any any sense whatsoever. But, you know, maybe there's reasons behind that we, we weren't privy to or we're not aware of. So, yes, absolutely. We'll, find out, we'll find out one day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course.